to Oh Yes with Huey, M, and Sarah. This week, we'll be continuing to discuss language, culture, and identity with a focus on the myth of standard American English. Okay, so we are going to go down a list of what fuels the myth of standard English, who does it affect, how do teachers perpetuate the myth, how can we improve as future educators, and we're also going to be listing words or phrases that aren't necessarily standard English, but have been popularized. And we're also going to do a quick reflection on everything at the end. We would first like to discuss what we think fuels the myth of standard language and standard English. I found that uh, people that have a deep interest or authority of language in language um, and want to like keep their authority and superiority there like as English speakers definitely fuel this myth and I also think things such as dictionaries and like written news or like media now like the radio or TV news they all use the standard English so they're just showing that representation of language in the country and I think it's also fueled by it being determined by, quote, educated people, like, and the way that educated people speak, which I think it's kind of hard to determine what educated really means when you're relating it only to the way that people speak. To add on, like, a personal experience I have when it comes to a person in authority is, like, going to the doctor's office and I feel like doctors feel like they they're so educated and have so much authority that they say things really informally to you and then when you say can you explain that like easier so I can understand they they like kind of say their response sometimes kind of condescending and another example I can think of when people in authority feel like they, they use standard American English towards people is better is like when you get pulled over by a cop they will say things super formally to you or if you're getting arrested and then when people of color are like trying to understand what's happening they the police think that they're being aggressive and that's when it can get worse in that situation so when i think of white american standard english i think about racial linguistics and how I feel like standard English is, American English is based on, or at least is reflected upon like how we still are in society. I feel like we're stuck. Like it, it reflects how we are racially in a sense. So like moving on, what purpose does the myth have? It has a purpose of propping up institutions and individuals that are in power. By creating a social construct of one language holding more power, it allows those who are fluent to make all of the economic, political, and other important community decisions because they believe they have the right to do so since they are educated. I think that standard American English impacts people who have not necessarily have like the greatest not the greatest see i'm participating in this well like people who are not a part of like fuck. 
Standard American English to me impacts the people who have families that don't participate at home, like don't participate in speaking like standard English at home. For instance, those who have like different like vernacular English, Ebonics, or just have like different dialects or might not have the same education that we have in schools, like formal education. In English, um, I think it gets passed down. Like for instance, in my household, my mom didn't have that much of a formal education. So she actually dropped out of school freshman year, high school. So she doesn't have like a very, she doesn't have the standard American English in her. Like she's also, her first language is Spanish. So she has like this strong accent. She makes like a lot of common errors that are not acknowledged or as English to standard American English speakers. So I feel like it was passed down to me because I didn't get to my formal education for like standard American English until I was five years old when I came into school. And I think that kind of can be contrasted to my experience because I only speak English and, you know, my family members only speak English. So the standard American English was already being instilled in me before I was in school. So then when I get to school, I don't feel like I'm switching between languages or like I have to put in an immense amount of effort to be speaking like properly, I suppose, if you're going to use that verbiage. But yeah, I, I actually think you do code switch in a way. Because I, I think you brought up once that you you know that when you're friends, you can, like, say slang or, like, internet kind of speakage. And then when you go to your teachers, you obviously know that, that, that that's not okay to talk like that, even though most of your generation is speaking that way already. Yeah, that's true. There are, like, some words that, although they are in English, I wouldn't say them in all contexts, like... The references wouldn't be understood, and they wouldn't be considered proper. Like, I definitely wouldn't put them in a paper or use them in a presentation. So do you guys have, like, words like that where you feel like you can't use them in certain contexts? And also, how do your teachers influence that or perpetuate the myth? that you shouldn't be using those words or that those words are not as good as speaking standard English. Something that I just thought of that I realized that I've been doing a lot recently is saying y'all to like groups of people or like if I'm texting a group of people, I'll be like, hey y'all. Because I've been thinking about like what I wanna address my students as in a way that's like inclusive, but I don't really like personally, I don't resonate I guess with the phrase like hey friends like I don't want to call my students like friends so I was like how can I do this in a way that's not like boys and girls so I just started using y'all in like all areas because I don't want to like I don't want to like discount someone's identity but then when I think about it like I wouldn't consider that like speaking like my like standard American English because I guess y'all is from like the south and the article I believe said that standard English is like they looked at the midwest 
because it's like the least accented. So they think that that could, would be like the most uniform. So I guess that's a word that I use that's not really standard American English and that I wouldn't put in papers and stuff besides things that I just like, like little phrases that only my peers would get. Um, some words that I thought of and it's not standard English or like standard Spanish, but like in a way Spanglish is like they're rooted from like English words. So like parquear, lonche, hangar, troca, like you can hear the English words. And so in the Latinx community, uh, we have taken these English rooted words and we have molded them into our liking and they've become wildly popular within our own community. And it, it, I think this shows the nature of language in America, which, which the nature is, it molds and moves at all times. Um, there's never going to be, I believe, a standard English. Uh, these words are frowned upon. But like the lesson um, from about like three weeks ago where we learned about the Native Americans, they molded English into their own. And we are still using those words. That makes me think about how in a previous class, when I, it was a Spanish class, we talked about how um, Spanglish is taken into both languages. Like, for instance, in the Spanish realm, the standard for Spanish, people who, I guess, the people who um, instill the standards for Spanish sometimes don't agree with Spanglish because it's not practicing the standard at all. It's mixing and blending and not following the rules of either languages. And I feel like for Spanish, um, it's more of the sake of preserving the language and not allowing English and white Americans to continue to steal from our culture. And you see this through like how in America, in the U.S., we have Taco Bell and how they basically gentrified our the entire like menu, the whole the whole um. Shebang. Shebang, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Language, they yeah. took the food. They took everything. <laughs> Even the labor Yeah, and it's kind of thing, like, they pick and choose what they want to take from this culture, from the Spanish culture, and we see that in, like, the word choice as well. Like, they take some Spanish words and they use it, but they don't use all of them, and they don't accept all the words. And the whole language in its entirety you know what i think is really annoying and that kind of irks me is when american marketing sees like hispanic people as like alcoholics like cinco de mayo like and the the poster we saw in class that said um cinco de drinko like why are you perpetrating the word alcoholics and that and then the youth sees that and then they think it's okay to be drinking or something like that and i i just think it's annoying because Yes, there are a lot of uh, people who are drinking alcohol within the Hispanic community, and that does create a, a really bad um, family tree. And I just don't want to see it be okay. Like, I don't want people to think that alcoholism is okay, and it's okay to drink. And that's, that doesn't have to do anything with language, but I just want to throw that in there. I also think, like, the Cinco de Drinco and those advertisements just like for white people they see Cinco de Mayo as like an opportunity to party to just go to bars and have like themed parties and stuff like that so I think that also adds in like they're like using a different culture 
as an excuse for white people to party with a theme, I guess. Well, Sarah, let me ask you a question. Do you know what Cinco de Mayo celebrated for? Isn't it... The, is it the Independence Day? Or? No! This is like, people don't teach about it. Like, I took Spanish all four years, and I don't think we really... I think we had a themed party, but I don't think we talked about the significance. Fun fact, the independence of Mexico was five days ago. Yeah, it was five days ago. Oh. <laughs> it's September. So I don't see anyone drinking that day. Nobody drinks. Except the Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even... I think they just enjoy their, themselves. I don't think they, like, drink that much excessively. Not excessively, but they do, you know, have their little drink at they the end of a drink. long day, you know? But, like, Cinco de Mayo, like, that's when the white people drink. Yeah, that's, yeah. like, why I'm saying, like, they don't, it's not actually celebrating Cinco de Mayo. They just use yeah. it as an excuse to party. I don't know any Mexican that celebrates Cinco de Mayo. I think it's only that one town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a little sidetracked, um, but we want to discuss how do teachers perpetuate the myth of standard English. And personally, I feel like... Teachers are often in the position to police and to discriminate words that aren't in the standard American English. And I remember as like at least as a kindergartner, like I came into it and my day-to-day teacher wasn't very like harsh on it. But I had this one substitute teacher. She had a military background. She just loved to like come back to school and like give in on you know when they needed her help. And to this day, she has retired, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> so she used to be, like, very harsh when, like, this is how you write it. She wouldn't even let us, like, erase it. Like, she saw that we erased. She wanted us to go get a whole new paper and do it again and do it right. And it was super harsh. Like, being a kindergarten, that was super scary. I was like, I can't mess up. I can't mess up. And I feel like that's what we do to people who speak not standard American English. We engrave this fear, like, you gotta get it right. If not, we know you're not as educated. So, would you say that those feelings of, like, the fear of not being able to mess up keeps you from participating in classes or just kind of, like, hinders your educational experience? Because I think, like, messing up is, like, one of the best ways to learn. Like, you can't get everything perfect the first time that doesn't really equal learning to me so I don't know why people that don't speak standard American English would be like fed that narrative like you can't mess up because how are if if they're expected to speak standard American English why wouldn't people be willing to teach them and you can't can't really learn without messing up in my opinion so I think it really did hinder my participation as a kid. Like to this day, I don't like to participate in like classroom discussion because I, at least when I was little, I had like this really bad list and I still have it, but not as bad as it was when I was a kid. Cause like the way I pronounce certain things, like I could hear it. Like right now when I'm saying like the little S sound and it's like, I didn't like it. Cause I always felt like teachers were like, it's the right and there's a wrong answer. And if it was wrong, I didn't like the feeling of being embarrassed in front of my classmates for not having it right. So I kind of just want to add on to that. Um, I don't have any experiences in English that I can remember 
But obviously, I feel like I've gone to this path because I have perfected my standard American English. So, I mean, it had to happen somewhere along the line. And the one time I do remember being corrected or, like, policed by a teacher was in Spanish, actually, because I went to a bilingual school. So I said the word chido, and then she was like, oh, that's not a proper word. And I was like, well, then what's the proper word? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, so why are you, why are you stressing on me? Like, I didn't do anything wrong. I just said something was cool. Like, what was that overreaction for? And you got what I was saying. Everyone in this classroom did. And I think one way teachers perpetuate the myth or, like, they hinder the education of people is when they give white, perfect-speaking English books to certain students. And then... To minorities, they give an easier book. You know how they split you up into like level one, two, three, or whatever? And you see in the level three, which is the bottom, it is usually like all the minorities. And then level one is um, the white students. And I think that when you're little, you know that you're in the, quote, dumb group. So you you don't feel as confident anymore as, as you would if they would just like mix you up into a normal group. Also, like how counselors... They put you in English, like the AP English, and then the minorities, they don't push them as hard to get them in there. They just make them go to the regular English. Um, I think all of these things pull back people who don't know how to speak English that well, and it makes them less confident. And in a way, it isn't helping them, because if maybe if they were pushed to AP, they would be, they would be excelling in their academics. Let's go. That was just me. I like that you mentioned that when you made that comment that your teacher yelled at you about, that everybody still understood what you were saying. And I think that kind of makes a nod to the point that all languages can convey meaning. Like, they, it doesn't, one is not better at having significance or, like, conveying meaning or that someone is educated than any of the other ones because they all have significance and meaning within themselves. And I think that, like especially English and literacy teachers and the AP, like that statement that you made where minority students or students that don't speak standard English as well are not in those classes. It shouldn't be that way because those classes, I was in them. It's literally just about like analyzing texts and finding deeper significance. And you could do that in any language. So I think there should be opportunities for students that maybe they don't have standard English down perfect, whatever perfect means, I guess, they should still have the opportunity to be in those classes because they can still convey meaning, which is like the main point of those classes. Okay, so one thing that I just thought about was that I went to a bilingual school and the classes in English were set up with levels, but the Spanish side Everyone was on the same equal level. So, you know, I just think it's it's interesting that when it comes to Spanish or any other foreign language, we don't set up we don't set up classes that way because um, we aren't trying to prop up anyone. You know what I mean? Also, I heard, I remember reading about this or like it was on Instagram, so I wasn't reading it. I was just looking at it. <laughs> but it said, "What what three things do do minorities do that as trashy or like that white people do and it's classy? And then that list was um, 
knowing a, a foreign language. You know how uh, students that are multi, like kids, I mean, that are multilingual because of their home, they, they aren't viewed as special. But as soon as a white kid does it, like it is, I think um, it must be like the princess of like someone somewhere in like Europe. I forgot who it was, but she already knows like two languages already. And she's like four. And then everyone was like applauding her. And then someone commented, okay, so does like every bilingual household, like minority household. That made me think about my experience. Um, my roommate, her her native language is English, and she always, always corrects me. And it's so annoying <laughs> when she does that, because I'm like, Okay, grammar police. <laughs> like, I'm in the comfort of my home. Like, <laughs> I know I made a mistake, but does it really matter, you know? But, like, for instance, like, this one word, I didn't know it was wrong until, like, my adulthood life. I always said brewing. Brewing. I never I, said I, I sweeping. That. Sweeping is the right word to say it. It's not oh. brewing. And I always said it wrong because, to me, like, it makes sense because, like, you... You mop. Mopping is a broom. You broom with it. So I was like, <laughs> that was my logic. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like make the connection. Oh, shit, that's wrong. Like, we don't learn that in school, like basic like household things. You learn about like academic life. You don't learn about like, oh, how do you say this? Because you're expected to already know that coming into class. And on top of that, it made me think how Yuli said, that as being a bilingual for Spanish, like, in minority groups, it's not grandiose. It's not, like, wow, you're so smart. It's more like, oh, you're behind. And I feel like it's also a discrimination based on the language. I feel like there's a preference for different languages in the school system. For instance, if you know French or if you know Mandarin, possibly, or if you know, I don't know, German, that's like, yes, you're so smart. You grasp it. Versus if you know Spanish, oh, that's basic. Oh, it's not that. That's not Also, relevant. some people take Spanish as their easy A. As if our language is so simple that anyone can understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then they come out of, fuck, they come out of high school. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know nothing. They don't know anything. They might as well say hola or like. That's it. That's basically all I know. They come out of it like not knowing anything. I think that kind of relates to my experience speaking Spanish. Not that I didn't take Spanish because I thought it was going to be easy. I was there. It was challenging for me at times. But I think my classes in high school as a whole, like they weren't as challenging as they could have been. And they they didn't prepare me to use the language like in a way that language is actually used. Like I can still like... Uh, if there's, like, something uh, in an article or, uh, like, on social media that is, like, written in Spanish, I can usually read it and kind of understand it. I, I've always had a hard time uh, speaking it because my Spanish classes, I know I've mentioned this in the, like, past podcasts, even, like, in those classes, if I spoke English, like, my teacher wasn't really going to, like, harp on me about it. So I didn't ever practice, like, uh, just kind of, like, thinking off the top of my head and speaking in Spanish. But those, like, like my reading and writing skills, I could probably still maybe use some of those. But I think that that just shows how the language courses, they are, they're not teaching me to be, like, bilingual. Like, I hardcore failed my biliteracy test 
hardcore failed it. And my teacher, like, she, we did, like, maybe a week of prep for the test. But it obviously, like, it was not effective because I don't know anybody in my Spanish class okay. that passed it. Like, I don't think any of us passed it. Maybe, like, one or two. But that would probably be people doing, like, a ton of work outside of our language course. So I think that just kind of adds to the fact that these world language classes are not... They're not teaching the language. They're teaching here some reading and writing skills. And I can maybe, like, compute certain Eng English things into Spanish. And if anything, your experience, it should show you as a teacher how hard it is to learn a language. You know, so when you, when you come across a child who doesn't know English, you should know how hard it is to adapt to a new language and learn it if... If more people took that into consideration, they would understand why it's so hard to learn a different language. Okay, so now we're going to reflect a little bit generally. All right, so what I gathered from this was to be a better teacher, you need to be more understanding and lenient. And if a student is reaching out for you for some extra help, sure. But don't be like that grammar police and don't be calling that person out in front of the whole classroom because you're just taking away their confidence. And something that I also learned about this was that pretty much language and the myth is, um, it's a complete social standard. I mean, social structure, structure, there we go. And we shouldn't be like, we shouldn't be downgrading people because of it. You know, so if you ever come across someone who needs help, if they need it, sure. If you're understanding what they're saying, don't, don't go out of your way to embarrass that person. I think what I've mostly gathered from this week and this discussion is, especially as someone who will most likely teach an English class at some point, um, I should, like, I, I really want to work hard to not just have standard American English present in my English class. Like, I want to make sure my students can be speaking in whatever makes them comfortable. And then, you know, maybe there will be certain times where students can use any language and certain times that we need to use the standardized language for certain assignments. And also if there's going to be standardized tests in standardized languages, I, sh I want to make sure like I'm helping them prepare for those so that they can be as successful as possible. But overall, I think just getting more insight on the experiences of people that speak two languages or don't speak standard American English will help me as a teacher so that I don't just assume everybody has my same experience. A takeaway that I got from this week's discussion is that standardized American English is rooted and embedded with privilege in this society and um, as future teachers we're gonna whether we like it or not are gonna be pol policers policing these in support of American standard English whether we like it or not we're gonna have to and starting to think about how this can be highly you know negative in a child's life, I feel like it is within our power 
to not be one of those teachers that are like super like anal about not allowing then like anything other than standard American English within like personal conversations. Like I understand like having to learn the academic way of speaking if you're pursuing your education, but I don't understand how it has to be influenced. In all sorts of writing, in all sorts of situations, you know. And, yeah. Reminds me of um, a line in one of the readings we had to do this week that said that um, it's kind of hard to erase the effects of standardized American language because there is so embedded into us. Like, for instance, like, I know that whenever I make mistakes I tend to just correct myself and like it's like almost like an instantaneous thing like it's too deeply rooted into the way we run as a society I'm not trying to say that it's impossible and there's nothing we can do as future educators in adjusting and trying to make a difference when it comes to standardized American language However, I'm saying that it's kind of difficult based on the circumstances. And I personally don't have a lot of hope in, like, that changing. However, I feel like if we're more accepting of different languages instead of being English only, that could be tied to this, like, American Americanized English um, issue as well. Thank you for listening to Oh Yes with Yuli, M, and Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Look forward to having more conversation next week. Until next time, thank you.